how do we sound? Oh, just beautiful. Great. Crystal clear? All right, great. Hey, better than we look, and I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the show with Austin Huff, a late-night talk show podcast for your ears. Hopefully the podcast is more clever than its name. I just want the voice of a guy like me. <laughs> Uh, welcome into the show. I'm Austin Huff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Austin Huff. Seriously, find me. Tweet me. I'll tweet you back. Uh, a few quick things about me. Uh, I have more respect for fans in near-empty stadiums than I do for fans who fill out stadiums of really good teams. Like, if it was easy to be a fan of that bad team, then everyone would do it. And that stadium would be packed, literally. That's how bandwagons are formed. Also, there was a solid period of my life where my favorite song was Hemorrhage by Fuel. It was weird. Uh, And I always felt like Cracker Barrel's county store always had that best selection of Beanie Babies back in the day. And I treated that intel like it was a state secret, even though I'm pretty sure everyone else knew that as well. But, But this is the first time in my life that I'm actually admitting that because I didn't want anyone else to know. Or to grab the new Beanie Babies when they came out. You know, like Bones and Jaws and that Princess Di Beanie Baby. That Let's be honest, the Princess Di Beanie Baby was not found at Cracker Barrel. You had to, that was a tough one to get. And apparently it's worth like millions or billions now, right? That's what we were told back in the day. Anyway, I'm really excited about today's show because I have two of my favorite comedians and entertainers on the planet on. Uh, Randy and Jason Sklar. They're twin comedians, and they're really known for a lot of things. Uh, most notably, at least uh, off the bat, was ESPN Classics Cheap Seats. I don't know if you guys ever caught this show back in the day, but it was a lot like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, but for sports. So it was like... It was, it was perfect. It was a blend of comedy. Randy and Jason would just break down old games and kind of just put their voiceovers over top of these old sporting events. And not just regular sporting events, but some weird ones like the Scrabble Championships and uh, like bowling. It just I urge you to, to go online and try and find it out. It, it's honestly hilarious, especially if you're a sports fan or if you're even just a, just a comedy fan. Uh, they've been all over uh, the television from Better Call Saul, Always Sunny, Curb. The way I described these guys to my now wife back in the day when I was first introducing her to them, they were the conjoined twins in that one episode of Grey's Anatomy. So <laughs> I honestly forgot to plug this in my interview with them, but you can catch their newest stand up special, Hipster Ghost, on Stars, the Stars channel. And if you have the Stars app, you can also stream it on there. Uh, that's actually how I watched it on the Stars app. Awesome. Awesome. Very funny. These guys have just got impeccable timing together. It's it's really fun to watch them do stand-up. And like I said, I, I just love these guys. I, I pretty much fangirl out during the interview, and I'm pretty sure I did nothing to hide that fact. Uh, but I love these guys a ton. And you know what else I love a ton? Whenever someone rates or reviews this podcast, like usernames Bradley Music and Jesse Higg, 
Thank you guys or girls so much. I can't tell you how much that that means to me for you to take the time to leave a review. Even if you review the podcast and just say just type the word like trampoline or Billy Zane. I don't I don't care. I just appreciate the fact that not only did you listen, but you took this short time to leave the review. It means a lot and it just helps with the metrics of the show and everything. So thank you so much. Uh, but all right. Well, with all that said, I, I've got a lot I want to get to today, including my talk with the Sklar. So let's start the show. You are listening to the show with Austin Huff. In case you didn't pick up on it from the title, it's a show with Austin Huff. Honestly, this is just filler to break up segments. So I was watching Monday Night Football this week and something hit me that I really had to hit on. And no, it wasn't it wasn't the fact that the Broncos busted out those iconic navy blue uniforms. Those are the best uniforms that the Broncos have, by the way, those with the white pants. Oh, my gosh. And no, it wasn't the fact that Patrick Mahomes appeared mortal in the first half. And no, it wasn't the fact that Patrick Mahomes appeared immortal in the second half. It was actually what happened between those two halves. It was the fact that ESPN gave us a good Charlotte concert at their halftime show. Seriously, in 2018, I was watching ESPN, not ESPN Classic. After seeing that, I honestly, I have expected like Brian Greasy to come out and start the second half for the Broncos. I mean, good Charlotte? I honestly don't know what red state NFL fans will find more offensive. The NFL players protesting the anthem or ESPN turning to the band that sings the anthem. Seriously, ESPN? Like, there there wasn't a band you could have found, I don't know, within the last uh, 15 years? I mean, Patrick Mahomes was seven years old when they dropped The Young and the Hopeless. <laughs> and here they are, still gracing our airwaves. Look, don't get me wrong. There was a time when I was a huge Good Charlotte fan. I'm, I'm serious. I own both of their good albums. But that was also a time I was a huge fan of puka shell necklaces and Birkenstock clog sandals and a time when I purchased most of my polos at American Eagle. And by most, I mean all. In fact, I might have been working at American Eagle the last time Good Charlotte was, well, good. Pretty sure it was back in high school, you know, when I was educated with money, I was well-dressed, not funny. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to knock Good Charlotte. I, I, I did. I used to love them. And I'm sure they're still great. I if, They've got a new album coming out that I'm sure I'll check out, and it, I'm sure it'll take me right back to that nostalgia of listening to them growing up in my teens. So I'm not going to knock them, but I am going to knock ESPN for randomly putting Good Charlotte on at halftime. Dare I ask who's on the slate for next week, ESPN? What, Guster? I mean, be sure to stick around for halftime when we get a special live performance from Alien Ant Farm. Look, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it needed to be said, but I don't want to be hit with Simple Plan at halftime next week. And sure, yeah, I went through a yellow card phase, but that was like a decade and a half ago. No need to throw them up either, ESPN. And don't you even dare think about giving us Taking Back Sunday or else we'll have to consider Taking Back Monday night football. I'm not naive. I know how these things work. I I'm sure the decision to play good Charlotte halftime was probably made by something corporate. But don't hit us next week with something corporate. And I certainly don't want a halftime cameo from the All-American Rejects. All right, you, you got that, ESPN? It ends tonight. It ends tonight. 
The only time I want to hear Good Charlotte in 2018 is when I'm playing Madden 2004. I mean, ESPN brought back Good Charlotte before they brought back Sergio Dip. It's a pleasure to be with you guys here on the field from up close, just watching Coach Vance Joseph from here. You watch him now on the screen. This diversity in his background is helping him a lot tonight. Quarterback at Colorado, defensive back in the NFL. And here he is having the time of his life. (laughs) Remember that guy? Man, that guy was having the time of his life and then was never asked to report on the sidelines ever again. At least not on the English broadcast. R.I.P. to the D.I.P. P. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that take. It, It probably would have been better if I was legally cleared to play good Charlotte music, which might be the only time anyone has ever said something might have been better by adding good Charlotte's music. Well, just now and on Monday Night Football's halftime, apparently. And I was tweeting about this the other night, and and actually while I was tweeting about it, Good Charlotte, the band, the verified account, actually liked my tweet about this the other night. So they're probably listening to this now, to which I say, thanks for being the soundtrack of my late teens, guys. Honestly. And be sure to pre-order their new album, Generation RX, on GoodCharlotte.com. I just want my guys, Good Charlotte, to experience the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. But seriously, I love you, Good Charlotte. You are listening to The Show with Austin Huff. More of The Show still to come. If you haven't already fallen asleep. Well, October is here, and this month is number one on my power rankings of months. Of course, I, I say that now, but if, if you hit me up like after winter, I'll probably tell you like April or May are number one on my power rankings of months. But that's the great thing about power rankings. They're fluid. You can constantly change them. So right now, October is number one on my on my power rankings of months. What's number 12? I got to go with September. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is. It's, September is like the Tuesday of months. It's the most pointless month out there. Really nothing to give us outside of everything else. Every every other month has, and every other day of the week has has an assignment. But September and Tuesdays, they're just out of here. But anyway, back to October. October's legit. You've got playoff baseball, regular season football, the start of hockey season, the start of the NBA, college football, the, the start of your fall TV calendar. I mean, October has pumpkin spice lattes. And I've stated this before, but I'm a total basic B, so you know I love pumpkin spice lattes. October has Mean Girls Day, you know, when Aaron Samuels asks Katie Heron what day it is. On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. October is when Marty McFly went to the future and back to the future, too. On Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. 2015? October has Columbus Day, which I, I don't even know what that day does, really other than give bankers an excuse to somehow work fewer hours than they already do. Also, October is the unofficial launch of hoodie season, and I am on the front lines of the hoodie march on Washington. Honestly, I'm a huge hoodie guy. If Christmas season is more your thing, well, (laughs) October is also the unofficial start of that, too, if you shop at Target or Big Lots or Walmart or anywhere, really. But October also has Halloween, I love Halloween. I, I don't know if it's like seeing everyone get creative with costumes or or just my love for scary movies. 
and trust me, I'm aware that like saying Halloween is your favorite holiday might make you sound kind of weird. I, I, I can acknowledge that. But Halloween might be my favorite holiday. To me, one of the greatest film franchises of all time is the Scream series. And if you don't agree, fight me, okay? But that's like a must-watch for me every October. I mean, I love Haunted Houses. And, and I oh, man, I love, I love the scary setups that all, like, amusement parks roll out this time of year. You got Halloween Horror Nights, Hallow Scream. That's very punny. You've got Hallow Weekends. Halloween Haunt. That that one's at Knott's Berry Farms in Southern California, which also, that whole park changes their name this time of year to Knott's Scary Farm. Again, somewhat punny, but it, it kind of seems counterintuitive if you ask me, like, because it makes it sound like it's not scary. Knott's Scary Farms. So, I mean, I appreciate the effort, but it's Makes it sound kind of lame. But then again, it's not as bad as Disney's Magic Kingdom Halloween theme, which is literally called Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. But I I love how all amusement parks just kind of, every month of October, they just kind of transform themselves into these, you know, this, this Halloween feel. Most notably, Six Flags. They roll out Fright Fest. And the things I love about these things that, that come with it, it's the haunted houses, it's the riding roller coasters in the dark, and the extracurriculars that you get into with it. Now, I'm not sure if you saw this story over the last week or so, but it, it's kind of made its way around the country, and it stems out of here, where I base this podcast out of, here in St. Louis. Six Flags St. Louis. So they're doing something unique that garnered attention across the country. Let me Let me hit you with this, okay? Six Flags St. Louis is celebrating 30 years of screams during Fright Fest 2018 with the 30-hour Coffin Challenge. Six coffin dwellers will be chosen to spend 30 hours in a coffin from 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 13th until 7 p.m. on Sunday, October 14th. Okay, let me break this thing down. Coffin dwellers will be allowed to bring a friend along during for during fright fest operating hours but they must brave the non-operating hours alone well not exactly alone some of our fright fest freaks will be lurking around in the darkness okay cool anyone who gets out of their coffin for any reason with the exception of the designated bathroom breaks which i've heard about i think you get a six minute break per hour will be out of the contest now this is where it gets good the winnings do you know what you get if you win $300. (laughs) $300. Is, is that it? You couldn't pony up any more of your Looney Tunes money, Six Flags? $300. That's like one ticket to Disney World. Meanwhile, dead people are like, uh, we've been in coffins for well over 30 hours. Where's our 300 Would I do this? Maybe. But, but I'd want to bring my own coffin. No chance I'm dressing the coffin that Six Flags provides. I've been to the bathrooms at Six Flags, and I... I've seen the cleanliness of the bumper cars at Six Flags. All right, that's going to be one dingy and gross-looking coffin. So, yeah, I, I if they'll let me bring my own, I'm in. I mean, the play place at your local McDonald's is probably cleaner than this coffin. So, yeah, if it's BYOC, I'm totally in. Plus, not to mention, it's a great way to catch up on some sleep. Are you kidding me? You get 30 hours yourself in a, in a padded coffin? Uh, yeah, where do I sign up? Plus, where are my new parents at? I know you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Man, that sounds amazing. Now, yeah, sure, $300 is not much. It's like, what, 10 bucks an hour? 
<laughs> but let me sweeten the pot for you a little bit. You also get a $500 voucher from Mattress Direct for a new mattress. Okay. So that's like, a, what, a half of a mattress at best? You get two 2019 gold season passes. Okay. Pretty sure you can get those, like, if you bring in, like, a can of Coke, those, like, promotions that they run in the summer. You get a Fright Fest prize package, including two VIP haunted house passes, a ticket for two to ride the Freak Train for Freaks Unleashed. You know what? I'm not even going to look up what the Freak Train is for Freaks Unleashed, but I'm going to just assume. I'm going to take Six Flags' word for it on this one that that's a good good thing. And their coffin. That's right. You get the coffin. It's a handcrafted coffin. Again, Six Flags. I don't want your coffin. I don't even want. To, I don't even. Want, I don't. I don't want to keep it. I don't want to get in it. I. I don't want anything to do with your coffin. I'll bring my own coffin. So that's again not that great of a perk. Hey, but props to Six Flags for getting a lot of people around the country talking about this promotion. I'm not sure who's gonna do it or even attempt to do it. And honestly, I'm not sure I want to know. But I'm sure it's going to be six freaks. All right, coming up next, the Brothers Sklar. You guys are really going to enjoy my conversation with them. They're so funny and quick, and they love sports. So uh, while we had to break, don't touch that dial. <laughs> if if you can even – podcast, this is a podcast. There's no dials on podcasts, but um, just don't touch anything. Just stand still for the, what, 25 seconds or so that I'll be gone. Just – just in fact hold your breath let's play a game let's play a game hold your breath through the break and don't start breathing again until you hear my voice again ready set go you're listening to the show with austin huff now it's time for a conversation with a guest who's much more interesting than austin Guests, or I guess I should say guests, plural, this week are two of my favorite entertainers on the planet. Uh, give me a second to run down this resume real quick. First and <laughs> foremost, uh, they're comedians. You may originally know them from their iconic ESPN television show from back in the day, Cheap Seats, which was essentially like Mystery Science Theater 3000 for sports fans. It was honestly one of the funniest shows ever. If you get a chance to look it up online somewhere, wherever, you will get stuck down that wormhole. Uh, they're also actors. You've seen them in things like Better Call Saul, Entourage, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Grey's Anatomy, which is basically like everything that's saved on my DVR right now. Uh, they're documentarians. Uh, they're like mini Michael Moores, only there's two of them, so it's like so it's like more Michael Moores or something. <laughs> they they were the executive producers of Poop Talk, which is essentially like the bowling for Columbine of poop documentaries, or, or as I like to call it, the, the boweling uh, for Columbine. Uh, honestly, one of the it, it's essentially what it is. It's a documentary about poop, but it's it's a it's a topic that we need to talk about. Uh, also, their podcasters, their podcast was the first podcast I ever listened to. Scarborough Country, now called A View from the Cheap Seats, which is a perfect podcast for sports fans who love comedy like me. They also have another podcast called Dumb People Town. They host with the very hilarious Daniel Van Kirk. 
uh, where they break down ridiculous stories of people getting arrested and just being dumb. And they have great comedians on there every week. If you're listening to this near uh, St. Louis, uh, they'll be headlining Project Wake Up's inaugural comedy night on the weekend of Thanksgiving, which we will get into a little bit uh, later. I've long considered these guys to be my Michael Jordan in comedy. Two of the (laughs) nicest people you'll meet in Hollywood. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, at Sklar Brothers. They are Farrell, Randall, and Jason Nathan Sklar. Guys, how are you? Dude, that was the best intro. <laughs> I feel like you should just drop the Can mic drop and leave. drop the mic and walk out? Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for, A, getting it all right, B, understanding what we do and understanding what we're trying to do. And I'd, say, I'd say we're more like the Morris twins than Michael Jordan when it comes to the NBA. Mark <laughs> yeah, right. In that we could start a fight at a rec league gym at, at any moment. At any moment. And you both at have the same moment. tattoos. Yes, exactly. Same tattoos. <laughs> That's right. We could we could switch out for each other at any moment. Uh, yeah, no, we, we we try to do a lot of different things, and you know, some people would be like, "You should just settle." We're like the Jose Okendo of comedy. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Great people who get it, love it, but you know, are we in Other the people? Hall of Fame? Probably not. No. <laughs> Now, now, guys, so as you know, this podcast originates out of your hometown of St. Louis. And yep. I, so I don't necessarily need to explain this first question to you guys, but it's kind of like a nod to the fact that that's where this, this podcast is based. I like to start every one of my interviews the same way. So I'm just going to ask it. Randy and Jason. We'll answer for you before you even ask it. Parkway North. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> what high school did you go to? Uh, yep. See? D- am I right? Did I get it right 100%. there? 100%. Where did you guys go to high school? Parkway, Parkway North. Parkway North. <laughs> uh, Parkway North, where our school colors were acid wash. That was just it. <laughs> um, because that's, I don't even think you knew what this, they were actually purple and white, but most people were acid wash. Um, we were the Letterman jackets came yeah. out. Go Vikings. Vikings, uh, great. I mean, just a great time. I know they had a great uh, player there recently, really good uh, football player, I believe, offensive lineman or something like that. But uh, it was great. Great place to go to high school, public school, big public school, kind of a mix, you know, of, of kids from everywhere. Kids from everywhere, different, you know, racially made up differently, socioeconomic. It was, it was a good place to go to school. And Ed prepped us for we went to the University of Michigan after that, but it prepped us well for that. Yeah, the head north for excellence, am I right? That's right. Well, also the school was like built in 1972 by people who were clearly on a lot of drugs. They're like, <laughs> we don't need no walls. And then it was just kind of, are we in the library? Are we in my classroom? I don't know. They've, we went back recently and they've put up a, a bunch more walls. But it's kind of a cool, you're like, is this a mall? I we don't do. Know. We had a smoking lounge, not for the teachers, for the students. Yeah, that tells you when we went to school. They were like, these guys, look. I'm like, that girl should not be in the smoking lounge. I happen to know she's pregnant. That's right. Get her out of there. Even the secondhand smoke she's taking in is not good for that baby. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was weird that uh, uh, that Parkway North, instead of a cafeteria, they've got a food court. It's yeah, they food do. court, yep. Taco Bell delivered <laughs> on site, you know. Taco Bell is what we used to, like, have at the end of a night. Like, oh. after a party, like, in near, like, Pattonville. we like, we're going to this Pattonville party? We'd go. <laughs> and then after the Pattonville party, we'd end up at like, Taco Bell eating 10 tacos that you knew because you had had a little <laughs> bit too much to imbibe. That it'd that's be coming up. right back. That's coming back out. You guys basically invented fourth meal in high school. Fourth yeah. meal. We had to. It was out of necessity. <laughs> out of necessity. To quote our, our friend who's a great comedian, Matt, Matt Bronger. We're just trying to soak up the night. Go soak up the night. <laughs> well, if you guys if you guys aren't going to bring it up, then I guess I will. The Parkway North, you're selling them short with the uh, 2010 Missouri State runner-ups in water polo. Oh, we always had good water polo teams. 
um, and always had good uh, swimming teams and water polo teams. Those, those, those teams were actually pretty good. We always made, like, sectionals and regionals and those and girls' basketball. We had a killer girls' basketball, women's basketball team. Because of, like, three sisters, the Meyer sisters, who, like, went through in the time that we were there. But I actually went by the trophy case. I think the football team did pretty well recently. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but I'm pretty sure it pales in comparison to water polo. I mean, yes, it is definitely a water polo. What do you think, Parkway North? You think water polo? Right. One thing you think water polo and Eric Greitens. Well, I was just about to say, so so some notable alumni from Parkway North, Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. But would, I mean, we can uh, we can kind of uh, jump on from him. I mean, he blackmailed us into saying he was. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, famous, <laughs> famous hip hop producer Metro Boomin, who's worked with uh, acts like Twenty One Savage, Gucci Mane, and Migos. So love I love mean, it. Yeah, class of twenty twelve. And then uh, one who I gotta ask, I think you guys might have been the same in the same class together. Carrie Guffey, who yes, was Carrie Guffey, child actor in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He was, he was the three year old kid Barry who was abducted yeah, I mean, in that, that movie. Famous where the kid's standing and the light's coming in, and that's him. <laughs> so, he was also in a little movie called with Alyssa Milano called Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, go down the IMDb wormhole on that. Uh, he was a really nice kid. We actually did uh, some plays with him. Some plays with him in, in, in junior high when we were at Parkway East, now Parkway Northeast, which is right by where we grew up. And he was a great kid. I don't remember, like him being around as much in high school but you know we kind of didn't hang with him as much in high school but in junior high he was very sweet kid, kid. W- would that be a close encounter of the fourth kind uh, yeah that was okay. of the fourth that's a close encounter of, of six degrees close encounter of six degrees of separation it's a close <laughs> encounter of the fourth meal because i do think we did hang out right. at taco bell right okay of course now i don't want to i don't want to go here this early but i feel like we kind of do have to address the elephant in the room the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, so out here, we'll, we'll see, we see him from time to time because he's like a big fan of the comedy scene. He's come do our podcast a few times. John Hamm. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Like, dude, you're just like, I can't believe you're this funny, this cool, yeah. and this good looking. It's not you guys re- recently had him on uh, Dumb People Town. Recently had him on Dumb People Town. Yeah. He was he was one of the best guests. He's ever just had. he's so fun to riff with. It's it and so when Cardinals games are on, we're constantly texting him. And he said about a month before the season, he's like, "My fear is that the Cardinals will finish one game out." <laughs> I think we finished what two games out of. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe how much. And this was at a time when we were uh, we were in it. Just that collapse this past week was was very. Very hard to watch. To, to lose five out of six of your last games when it counts the most was, I mean, we were basically basing it on young arms and young players pretty much the whole season, and they just all fell apart at the end. Well, they and they what what was worse was they looked invincible in August, and then and, and then September right. was just. I mean, all they needed to do was go five hundred in September. That's right. All I mean, they needed who, to do who rounded third? Who rounded third and fell down? Uh, <laughs> Ozuna, right? No, Martinez. No, no, uh, Garcia. Garcia. So Garcia rounded third and fell down, and I was like, that's a metaphor for the entire season. <laughs> yes. We rounded third and then fell flat on our face and then walked home and got tagged out. Right. You made it through all, to all the other three bases just fine. It, yeah. All you had to do was just you make it down scored. the home stretch. Had you, had you just stayed on your feet I mean, here's and the not good, fallen the on your own The good news is that we were in it till the very end, which made the whole summer and September actually really exciting for Cardinals fans. The bad news is now – it's just a bummer, you know, if you're, like, rooting for them. Just, like, who do we root for? 
I don't even know who to root for. It's like, is is anybody? I, I guess we'll just wait for Boston and Houston yeah. on the in the American League side. See who's going to come through on that, and then I don't even know who's going to win on the National League. You just don't know. All I know is whoever's going to win the National League will lose probably in four games in the World Series. Right. Right. Well, and I think a lot of Cardinals fans are kind of dealing with that same thing of who do we cheer for? And you do have like those those great Cardinal players like kind of scattered throughout other yeah. teams. You know, you've got Piscotty in Oakland. You've got yeah. uh, David I mean, Freeze in L.A. Oakland, I would root for Oakland because I'm like, it'd be great to see another team break through. Of course, we'll root for all the underdogs. I mean, and Oakland just hasn't had a winning team in any sport. Oh, wait, the Golden State Warriors. Oh, right. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. Play right next door. Uh, no, but it is interesting. I mean, they are losing the Raiders and the fact that, like, Oakland has done it with, like, nobodies. I mean, Oakland really, really just did it. Like, they came out of nowhere this year. Was anyone saying Oakland, like, would be this strong? Yeah, I, so. I, I, I think they've got, like, a lower payroll this year than they did during that Moneyball year, the, oh, yeah. you know, which everyone knows about. I mean, I'm... So I'll always root for that. You know, now I like our, our desire turns to like the sport itself to see what's what's great for the sport. Is it great for will it be great for Boston to win? No, <laughs> they, <laughs> right, they've right. had enough. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, and Houston just won. So they already got there. Like and the Cubs already won. So who who are we really rooting for? I mean, we live in L.A. and it's funny because my son is a, a Dodgers fan. Yeah. And our, our we have a lot of friends that are Dodgers fans, like good friends that like. Dodgers fans from deep, you know, their parents were Dodgers fans. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. A guy who we write with, this guy Andy Schwartz, who's really fantastic, and his, I went and wa- I watched one of the Dodgers uh, World Series games uh, last year with, um, with him and his dad. And to see the generational Dodger fandom come together, it made me love them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, if they're playing the Cardinals, there's no question. We go to those games and we root actively against the Dodgers. Right. And then you get beat up <laughs> in the parking lot. Right, we try to get, get near a curb. Yeah. yeah, but if we, you know, if you if Cardinals are out of the equation, like, yeah, I mean, I'll root for the Dodgers for friends of ours who are like huge Dodgers fans. Like, well, and, and truthfully, as like baseball fans, I'm sitting here going, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher. He of deserves our day. to win. Right. He, he deserves a championship. Yes, to put that in his crown. In the same way that like. We rooted for LeBron to win, you know, for Cleveland to win. You know what I would say? In the same way that I rooted for Ovechkin to win. That's like, right. That's you know, right. I was like, this guy has always been great. This He's he's always been it's on. It's not like he's not going to go in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Ovechkin is absolutely going in. He is the best. But to see him win, to see them celebrate, to see him get into a fountain at, like, Nationals, Park, you know, and like he was like a drunk woman at Kauffman Stadium, (laughs) like just trying to wade around in the outfield fountain. Like that's what Ovechkin was. Ovechkin was like the drunkest woman you've ever seen at a bachelorette party on the, you know, the tour of the Stanley Cup. No, Ovechkin was like that rat that was trying to, did you see that video of the rat that's trying to jump up into off of the fence in Wrigley Field, (laughs) like into the grassy thing? So for, like, years, he would just jump, and he wouldn't make it, and he wouldn't make it, and then finally he made it, and drunk people cheered for him. Right. Yeah, that's the same thing that happened to the rat. That's that's I, I, that's pretty much the best uh, the best analogy, analogy. Yeah, exactly. I think anyone's made about Ovechkin. Now, you, you, uh, you mentioned LeBron. You guys are in Los Angeles, based out of yeah. L.A., and you kind of adopted – there's no NBA here in St. Louis. You guys yeah, kind of adopted the, the, the Clippers a few years back. 
We were Clippers fans because we because in the early two thousands we couldn't afford when we first moved out yeah. here. No one could afford Lakers too. That was Kobe and Shaq and like I'm not going to spend two hundred and fifty dollars on one ticket for a game. There's no way. Yeah. Well, so, and the trajectory the trajectory looked good there for a while. Like the Clippers it, it, were like the team. They had Blake Griffin. You know, they had that that Chris nice Paul. core and Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and there was that one year where they. I mean, the Houston year when Houston came back and beat them. That was a couple of years ago, and I thought, okay, this is their year to make it really far, and that was where it kind of built all to that year, and then it was a huge letdown, and then you just knew that it was going to get broken up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny because I just don't have any – like the Clippers kind of got rid of every reason why we were rooting for the Clippers, which is the players that we loved, and, the, and it made you kind of sad about the NBA that that's what it's sort of become. But I do think LeBron we're, – we're LeBron fans just in terms of like – what he is and what he does and just the yeah for sure him. like he's and then we're also Mo Wagner fans from, from Michigan, Michigan who so just yeah I mean I think I could see us becoming you know like rooting for the Lakers again because we just don't have a team and we're huge we're huge LeVar Ball fans oh, of course <laughs> everything he says we do not take with a grain of salt at all we take it as take true. it at face value but yeah. I mean they're one or two players away like they need the Lakers need Kawhi Leonard and maybe one more really good defensive player, like a in the mold of a Trevor Ariza, but a guy who, you know what I mean? Like if they got like Kawhi Leonard and that one extra player, then I think the Golden State Warriors' reign may come to an end. But for right now, we're sitting here right now, and the NBA season hasn't even started, and I can tell you the Golden State Warriors are going to win. They're, they're going to win. There's no, there's no way they're not going to win. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's not good for the game of basketball. Exactly. Yeah. And it is kind of it is kind of tough that it's like you do know you do know the outcome before it comes out. Now, granted, this year, I guess it's it's just we're watching to find out who comes out of the East. But um, I mean, it's either the Celtics or the Raptors or the Raptors. And both of them will be really good. And I tend to think it will be the Celtics. But the Celtics, if they do, they're like a worse version of the Golden yeah. State Warriors. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're great, but they're just a, a version of the Golden State Warriors that's not as good as the Golden State Warriors. So if they play them, they're going to lose. And that's only if the Raptors can keep uh, Kawhi Leonard's head screwed on straight with, uh, with you know, because he's, he's a fun guy. And yeah. I and I don't know if you if you if you saw you him mean, talk his about laugh, that. Laugh means that he's hysterical. Oh yeah, he 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 knows how to have some fun. <laughs> I said the Kawhi laugh reminded me of like a Tom Chambers dunk, <laughs> where like he starts to elevate and you're like, oh that's pretty good, and then, and then like, it just Whoa, takes off and has like a life of its own. So high. How did it get that high? Yeah, I love that. Like nothing says I'm a fun guy more than your your monotone expression of saying I'm a fun guy. I'm a guy. fun guy, and then laughing at your own joke. Right. Um, that's like typing something on like a tweet and then writing LOL on your own tweet. <laughs> right, you can't, right. can't LOL and then your own tweet. yourself. Yeah. You're gonna LOL the way he LOL. Yeah. Just, uh, but I actually like him and think he he'll he'll be great for them and. You know, I mean, yes, but there, no one's going to come close to them. Like, we're sitting here now a quarter of the way into the NFL season. Can you tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Can you even tell me who's going to be in it? Yeah, I think most people would say the Rams, but I don't know. Right. Well, they thought, they thought it could have been the Rams last year, uh, and yeah. they got knocked off in the playoffs. So Right. So so who? I can't even tell you. That's why the NFL season is so exciting, because you've got teams like Tennessee, and you're saying to yourself, right. Oh my God! Is Tennessee going to? Then you got the Bears. You're like, well, hold on a second. The Bears are looking better than you've ever seen them look. 
we have Bears fans, friends of ours who are Bears fans, and they're saying to themselves, I don't know how to handle this. Right. Like, I can't remember 1985. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, or even... I'm to me, sure they, like to most Bears fans today, the fridge is an appliance. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Rex Grossman is still Rex Grossman. Yeah, right. But, I mean, the idea that, like, okay, this is a team that could... They could be great. And you start to look at Jacksonville, yes, you know, depending on Leonard Fournette's health, they could be good. You know, so there are a lot of... <laughs> there are a lot of teams that have a shot, as opposed to the NBA... And even Major League Baseball, you're saying to yourself, I don't know. And hockey, can, do we really know who's going to win it next year? We don't. You know, like we can, know the Blues won't. Yeah, <laughs> we, we definitely know that the Blues won't. But, I mean, do we know any other teams that are going to win it? I mean, I would love it if the Blues did. Like, that actually would be we – could, we could quit being sports fans if the Blues won because that's something I thought we would never see in our lifetime. Yeah. Well, it, it, the, the analogy used to be the Blues were the Cubs of hockey, but now the Cubs so won the World that, Series. So well, let's make, make that a truth. Hey, there it is. That's true. They, yeah, and they, uh, they, they drop puck uh, later this week. They do. I mean, n- nothing would make me happier because, truthfully, watching the Blues in the playoffs, when we beat Chicago, oh, and yeah. I thought, oh, we got a real shot here, and then we just laid an egg. I was like, this team could actually make it to the Stanley. I was really impressed with the team and thought it was great, and then they blew it up. Yeah. Well, and you want to talk about teams that are not looking forward to the season, the Blackhawks. They're a team that, you know, just looks down and out, and which yeah. which is which is nothing but good news for everyone else in the uh, Central, I guess. But yeah. um, So, guys, uh, I'm originally from Nashville. Um, you guys played Nashville uh, way back in the day, I, and you mm-hmm. may have played there more since, but the first time you played there was in 2011. Yep. And after your show, you invited a couple of fans to join you guys at a bar after your show. Yep. And there was a couple, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a couple that got married, and you uh, like attended their wedding. Yes. That was the best. No, we were there. We were. We didn't this officiate. Was, it. We, yes, we officiated. We officiated. No, oh, we, we were witnesses. We were witnesses yeah. at their wedding. At their wedding. Yeah, Wait, hold hold on. On. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna charge this, Randy. Yeah, they were. They were officials. We were not officials. But we like signed their. I want to say we signed their ketubah, but that's a Jewish thing. There's no <laughs> way that they were Jewish. But they were so nice. They asked us to be a part of their wedding, and then we did it. It was so cool. And then they came to the show that night. It was. Yeah. Probably one of the coolest things we did. Well, and then after your show, you invited uh, them and a couple other people to out to a bar that night to drink, or and um, and I was that other guy that you invited. It was I the, love it. it was the married couple and me, a married and, couple and you. Yeah, and that was my twenty fifth birthday. And for, oh, dude, that that's was amazing. That was honestly one of the one of my best birthdays of all time. I. Um, I took a huge group of friends out to your show that night, and afterwards, they all went to a bar and were waiting for me to join them. I stayed after, chatted with you guys for a bit, and then you guys were cool enough to say, "Hey, why don't you? We're, you know, we're going down to Twelve South Taproom. Why don't you? Why don't you join us?" South. And I did, yep. and I completely ditched my friends that night. So if my, any of my friends did. from that night are listening, I, you know, seven years later, I apologize. But it, it, it was well worth it to uh, hang out with you guys. So I, I, I guess I just wanted to thank you for that night. Uh, dude, that, that was one was of the awesome. best birthdays so, of my life. And look at Great. it. Look at it come full circle. We're thanking you right now for <laughs> you know having us on, promoting the stuff, and we can't thank you enough. Of course, you guys. You guys are, are uh, like I said off the top. You guys are two of my favorite comedians. Now, at what age did you guys know that you wanted to get into comedy? And then, and furthermore, when did you guys know you wanted to get into comedy together? Um, I would say 
we became comedy like nerds when we were like 12, 11, 12, 13. We were huge comedy fans, and no one else knew about comedy. There wasn't like, there weren't, Comedy Central didn't exist. There weren't like a ton of comedy on, there wasn't comedy on TV. We just found it, and we loved it, and we started performing our freshman year of high school, which is kind of crazy that the first time we stepped on the stage, we were 14 years old. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that, that means we've been performing for about 34 years, uh, 33 years. Th- I'm sorry. Yeah, 30, 32, 33 years, which you would think we'd be better by now. Um, but no, like that was <laughs> we were that into comedy and that like obsessed with it. And I think that served us really well. We were huge Seinfeld fans in the 80s. We said and it, I remember thinking to ourselves, like, I- I'm so sad that that people aren't going to know who this guy is. Because at the time, you know, he, was, he had an HBO special and comedy fans knew him, but no one else knew him. I'm like, this is the funniest guy in the world. He's talking about stuff that everyone can relate to. How does he not have a show? And then he had a show, as we know. That's, that's So now, it's, it's not just about... So you guys are a comedy duo, but like we've seen, we've seen thousands of comedy duos throughout history. Your Abbott and Costellos, your Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Key and Peele, Aaron Melissa, like so many. But, but none of them were brothers, and none of them had that family dynamic. Has that like ever drawn like a divide? Like because you guys tour the country together, and you know obviously you're with each other with almost every project you you guys get into. Has that like that just? I mean, we all know what it's like, or, you know, if you have siblings, you know what it's like growing up with a sibling. Has that ever, like, like caused tension or a riff or anything? Well, I mean, well, first of all, I'm going to correct you. The Smothers Brothers are probably one of the most famous. The Smothers Brothers, yes. Apologies. Uh, And they were brothers, but but I will say this. You know, I I think the fact that we're brothers and twins and we are, we've built this thing where we rely on each other and we need each other. There is a deeper need that now extends to our own personal families for us to keep it together and not blow this thing up, which means, and we've always been level-headed people, and yes, we've had arguments, and I mean, we're human beings. We like yeah. agree with each other, we get mad at each other, we feel resentful of each other all the time, and that just happens. Um, but we do know that, I think when, I think once you have kids, um, and once you have responsibilities as a parent, which is wonderful and and so beautiful, but very difficult, and and you kind of it's rewarding in a different way. But like when we get to perform now with each other, we don't take it for granted. Like it's it's a gift. Like you you go from there's a thing like when you're in movies and TV shows and you're the star of the show, you're number one on the call sheet. That's what they say. Um, and when you're a parent, uh, like a father in a family, you're, you're usually number four on the family call sheet. Yeah. Or five if you have a dog that's beloved. Um, or six. I mean, the truth of the matter is, like, Jay's, Jay's a little sick. Like, when you get sick, if anybody gets sick, if your kid gets sick, or, or if, you're, if you're sick when you're a kid, like, the whole world, like, stops to take care of you. Your mom's like, let me do this for you. Or, right. You know, let me make sure we take you to the doctor. Like, if you get sick as a parent, like, people just get mad at you. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to us? Like, <laughs> uh, you be, it's like the whole family's carrying a piano, and you're like, daddy's back hurts, and everyone's like, no one cares! <laughs> um, nobody cares. Well, you, gotta, you literally have to, like, break a leg, walk it off, bro. Um, play, play hurt a lot as a parent. So when Randy and I, like, last weekend... 
We got to go back to Ann Arbor to do shows. Uh, we go to stay with our friend um, and his family, and he's such a wonderful dude, and he lives in this beautiful house, and it's in Ann Arbor where we went to college, and we're walking around the campus, and we're doing radio shows, and we get to, on Friday, uh, deliver a lecture to the sketch comedy class, and, and you know, that was really special, and then... Um, Friday night, we do two shows at, at the club that we actually kind of really got started in Ann Arbor, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, and the shows were great, and people came out, and friends came out, and it was so much fun, and then the next day, we go to the Michigan game, and we get sideline passes, and, you know, well, by the way, on Friday, we hung out with Harbaugh a little bit. Nice. I mean, it was an insane weekend. It was one of those weekends that felt really special yeah. and we got to go up to the booth and Tim Brando a guy we made fun of on Cheap Seats who took it like a champ uh, who actually had a sense of humor about it we come up in the booth during the Fox broadcast and they're going to break after Michigan throws a touchdown as they're kicking the field goal he's like well to Spencer Tillman who's in the booth with them it's become a who's who of who's in the booth right now the Sklar twins which I love they call us the Sklar twins it made it sound like we were like six <laughs> The Sklar twins are here, the epic host of Cheap Seats on ESPN. He's like, they're in the booth. They're loving it. Deirdorf's loving it. I mean, it was it was really cool that, you know, that moment. Like, he didn't have to say anything. He could have just said, wait, hang on a minute, and we'll go to break. Right. He was mentioned us on the air. The, the game was great. We did show. Like, that was a magical weekend that was made by the fact that we got booked to headline this comedy club. And why do we get booked to headline the comedy club? Because... We are fortunate enough that in our years of doing this comedy, we've built up, you know, some some work, a body of work that makes it possible for us to go headline a club. And so we don't take any of that for granted. Because then when you go there, you know, people are excited to see you and they take care of you and it's all about you for a little bit, which is wonderful. So I think our days of being difficult with each other about the comedy and professionally are over. That's cool. That's cool that you can kind of see the uh, bigger picture through it all and uh, and kind of put everything aside. That's, uh, you know, because I, I know how difficult it could be at, at times and everything. But uh, now, the, now the Beastie Boys are one of your biggest influences. Why is that? Uh, you know, we grew up. In, we were a huge fan. I mean, we grew up in New we. We grew up in the 80s being fans of their music. I saw them. This is Randy. I saw them in St. Louis at the then Checker Dome yes. with uh, Fishbone, which was amazing. One of oh, my, it was a keel. Uh, no, it was at the Checker Dome. And it was just amazing. And so that was on the License to Ill tour. So cool. And we've always been, you know, as Jews, we're like, they're the coolest Jewish <laughs> dudes maybe in history. Like them and Jesus, two coolest <laughs> Jewish right. guys ever. Yeah. Uh, and they just were so themselves – and they had this beautiful overlapping style where one would say one thing, the other would come in, and then all three of them would come in together. Something about that, how much fun they were having and their performative style that really resonated with us. And their relationship wasn't one to contradict each other and fight each other. It was one to, like, hype each other and build each other up, introduce each other and let the other one come in and do it. And... It, there was something so like you watched it and you you almost couldn't describe it, but what you were watching was three guys who loved each other and had a really special relationship just having fun and being creative. Yeah. 
And we couldn't even articulate that until recently, that that had that much of an effect on how, but it did affect how we decided to do our comedy. We decided not to be like, have a straight man and a funny man and have someone always trying to rein in the guy who's crazy and can't handle it, you know? And I think, you know, some people might say, well, that's hindered you guys from being more successful. And we would say, well, we didn't want to do that. We, we didn't feel like that was organically true to the way we interact with each other. We're twins. We have a different kind of relationship. And I think there's something to be explored by doing something. We wanted to do something that hadn't been done before. I mean, yeah, maybe we could have worked really hard for decades on perfecting that that setup, but I think once you see what it is, then that's what it is. With ours, you kind of don't know what it's going to be, and that's, for us, it's like always changing and evolving, and that feels really good. Yeah, well, I was going to say that it, it does, when you listen to the Beastie Boys and then you listen to your stand-up, there's so many similarities just in the, the give and take that you guys have. And, uh, like, uh, so my favorite album of y'all's is um, uh, Henderson's and Daughters. And yeah. just, like, just hearing you guys riff. And if if you've seen the Sklar Brothers in a TV show or, you know, or, like, At Midnight or anything that they've done before, I encourage you to check out their stand-up and or you know check out their album or go see them live because the way you guys, the way you guys interact in on stage like it's it's almost like, like if I want to get like too deep and artistic but it's almost like beautiful it's like watching like a three-man weave type of situation you know like where it's just perfectly intertwined and you guys are so in sync and and your timing is just in, in impeccable and. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how to pronounce it. But like when when I read that, when I read that the Beastie Boys were a huge influence, I was like, oh, that makes a hundred. That that makes so much sense. Oh well, thank you first of all for for mentioning that and uh, and all that. I mean, I think to make a sports analogy, it's almost like you know when you have a great quarterback and an unbelievable receiver, yeah. and 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 the quarterback throws the ball before the receiver's even into the break, and he just turns and it's on his chest. And yes. he knows it's going to be on his chest. He trusts that it's going to be there. So he doesn't have to sell the turn until the last minute. And, like, that kind of trust between two people and understanding that, like, someone's going to put it there when you're there. And then also the ability to... You have to be present and in the moment, and you have to listen while you're talking. That is a, first of all, in this country, in this moment, no one is listening to anyone else. Right. Nobody is listening while they're talking. They're, when you're talking, you're like, let me get my thing out. And if someone else starts talking also, maybe agreeing or disagreeing with you, you just bowl them over. Yeah. That's, that's what cable, you know, pundit shows have taught us how to do. When the essence is, if you are talking and you hear somebody pushing forward with something and you trust that they're going to be saying something good, then you you back off. And then that makes it seem like you're not talking over each other ever. And so there is a way to – there are some tiny little transitions that we've worked on through our years of knowing how to sort of pipe down whatever you're doing. It's like a DJ between two albums. Like you kind of know when to bring yours down and let the other one up. And you feel it's a feel thing. It's like you can only do it by by having done it thousands of times. Yeah. Now, so I I, I came up doing through college and even some post college doing improv comedy. Have you guys ever done improv? We've done a little bit. And when we were in Chicago a few years back, and there was a club right above Second City, 
on Thursday, it was always a big honor if the main stage performers would invite you, if you're the headliner, and we were up at the Up Comedy Club, to come down and improvise with them and kind of do monologues that they would then... First time we did it, we did monologues that they then turned into improvised, long-form improvised sketch comedy. And so what we wound up doing the next time was we actually did the monologues and then hopped in the scenes and improvised with them, which was just so much fun. Yeah. So And, and on a lot of – we've shot a bunch of things where we've improvised a lot. And then on our podcast when we have character yeah. characters, we just have the general direction of where we want to go. But then – we just improvise all of it. And to me, that is so much fun to kind of get to a place where you're, you know, in the moment, really in these characters and trying to direct, kind of direct where it should go, but at the same time, just allow it to go wherever it goes. There's a freedom in that. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it, and, and I want to get into this a little bit more later, but the, you know, on Dumb People Town, like you guys with uh, Daniel Van Kirk, like your give and take when you, you when you kind of you read these ridiculous stories of people getting arrested, just the, the news clippings of them, and then you guys almost kind of jump in and out of the, you know, where one of you takes on the character and the other yeah. two play the cops or something like that. That, that. Those are some of the funniest moments I think you guys have on on that podcast is, is when you're like acting this out and you're just kind of doing that improvisational and that's where some of the best inside jokes from your podcast come from I, we love that and we all often say to any guest on, who's on there whatever happens just go with it or if <laughs> you take it somewhere we'll go with you if you want to become one of the characters in this thing we'll just immediately build a scene around it and do the sort of our explanation because we don't have footage of how things broke down right we love to assume that this is how it did and so <laughs> to me that is just so much fun like i love I love doing that so much, and it it definitely has sharpened our ability to do that. Plus, we walk in there, and Dan has the stories, and we have no clue what it's going to be about that day. I love that. We walk in the studio. We're like, this could be about anything. We have no clue, but we know we're going to trust each other that will make it funny. Well, and that's where the listening comes in. You have to listen to what what he tells you is in this story. Then you bounce off that, and it goes back to the the first rule of improv, which is yes and. And you guys you guys hit that to a T. Uh, now, uh, are you guys cool to uh, play a game with me? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Since you guys are, are diehard Cardinals fans mm-hmm. and you're twins, I figured we I'd like to play a game that I call 1987 World Series Trivia. Great. Let's do it. All right. You guys are a regular fill-in host uh, in the jungle in the Jim Rome show. So the, that's where kind of, I guess, this question stems from. In game two of the series... This Minnesota twin and famed member of Jim Rome Show's uh, famous rat family, as a man who has uh, facial features to make him look like a rodent-like animal, hit a home run to break the scoreless tie in a game that the twins would go on to win 8-4 to four to build a 2-0 series lead. Who is this guy? Uh, Gary Gaetti. Gary Gaetti. You guys are one for one. The Yeti. <laughs> the, the yet, and that, remember that way, former cardinal, former cardinal. But wasn't there that unbelievable blog? There was a tremendous, and if you got to look up it up online about a, it was like a Gary Gaetti fan blog, fan blog by these guys from like South Fork, <laughs> or something like North Fork, West Fork, South Dakota, or something like that. They did one of the greatest. They believed that Gary Gaetti was like a Major League Baseball player in a softball player's body, kind of like the Jed Jerko of his day. Yeah, right. That's awesome. That I love that. I love the idea of just someone having a blog about just solely based off of Gary Gaetti. Just 
loving the Yeti. <laughs> All right, question number two. In arguably one of the greatest bat flips in history, this St. Louis Cardinal launched his Louisville Slugger roughly, I don't know, 450 feet in the air after launching a three-run home run in the fourth inning of Game 4. Who is this man? Tom, don't call me Lucy Lawless. <laughs> yes, Tom Lawless. Now, true or false, the St. Louis Arch is is now, like, it, yeah, it was known as, like, the gateway to the West, but now it's known for the trajectory of uh, Lawless's bat, right? Measured the directory of his of his bat, and it kind of his bat like sent a message to North Korea. Yeah, his bat <laughs> traveled almost as far as Mike Lago's foul ball. <laughs> now, like, so uh, Jose Bautista has the best bat flip in postseason, like recent history. Yeah, which I feel like it it, uh, it like it overshadowed Lawless's bat. No, flip. because Bautista, Bautista was a home run hitter. Like but Bautista hit fifty home runs a year. Like. You expected him to – he could hit one. Right. That's like like last weekend when, like, Clemson fans rushed the field when they beat Syracuse. I'm like, you can't do that. (laughs) Come on, bro. Yeah. That's giving disrespect to your team. Like, Tom Lawless gets to flip the bat because no one, including Tom Lawless, thought that he was going to hit that home run. Right. Yeah. He should should flip the bat on any just, like, you know, just on a base hit to uh, – On a ground out. Ground out. Flip (laughs) it. All right, and finally, question number three. This St. Louis Cardinal batted 250 in the seven-game series with two RBIs and a walk and is arguably one of the best third-base coaches in the sport today. Who is he, Sklars? Jose Okendo. Jose Okendo. Now, you guys know why I'm bringing uh, Okendo up, right? Of course. We have an obsession, a love of. We always, whenever we're at a game, we were in Wrigley Field, we came down and said hi to him. Anytime we're at Dodger Stadium, we always say hi to him. We've been to his hometown. We try to get him in the Hall of Fame. We love the guy, have always loved the guy, and uh, and he, he he's such a sweet dude. He's such a great, great guy. He could be the manager of the Cardinals. Yeah, in, in 2004, you guys produced a one-hour special with ESPN and Major League Baseball where you tra- you traveled to Cooperstown and tried to get Jose Akendo into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. What, what, what was that experience like? It was, it was unbelievable because I think what happened was, you know, obviously at first we're like, this is borderline ridiculous, but okay. <laughs> I mean, he definitely doesn't have the stats to make it. But as we started to build, like, this absurd case for it, we came to St. Louis to get his permission to go on the mission. And we were talking to Tony LaRussa, who was not asleep at a traffic light. <laughs> and we said, we called him on the bullpen phone. Just kidding. Uh, no, we, <laughs> yeah. we said, look, you know, what do you, what do you think about Okendo? And he said, what do you think of our quest to get him into the Hall of Fame? He, and said, I, he said, I know you guys are joking, so you won't put this in. And then immediately we're like, we have to put, put it in. in. And put like, the fact that he said it's not going to be in. And he said, I know you're joking, but it's like every championship team needs an Okendo. Why? Because with a guy like Okendo who can play a number of positions, you don't have to carry another position player. I, you don't have to carry another infielder. What you can carry is like a left-handed, two-inning, late-inning specialist pitcher who might be able to just, you just bring him in to get their lefty hitters or whatever. So he was saying, like, oh, Kendall frees you up to bring other people in that roster down the road. And he's like, I can't tell you how valuable that is. That is the reason why we win championships. I was like, wow, Whoa. that's amazing. So then we felt like it, it was real, and then we went to Puerto Rico, and we went to Cooperstown, and 
it was a really fun little documentary that our buddy Mitchell Share, who's a really talented producer, produced with us. And I'm super proud of it, even to this day. I mean, there there's so many things we left in it. It was an hour-long special. It was so weird and absurd. I can't believe ESPN, <laughs> like, let us put it on. And people loved it. Yeah. Well, okay, so Kendo only had three errors as a second baseman in 1990, which is a major league record. He played in 163 games in 1989. I yeah. mean, he was the original Skip Schumacher, if you will. Yeah, he actually has more postseason home runs than Ted Williams. That's, that's incredible. One of the greatest hitters in the sports history. Ted Williams, a splendid splinter. That's amazing. Now, are there any other major leaguers you guys uh, want to try and get into Cooperstown? I mean... Willie McGee. McGee, man. Willie McGee. Willie McGee hit, you know won the batting title in 85 and he stole bases and he hit some i mean his rookie year he hit those home runs and won the world series i think essentially for hit two home runs and, and robbed gorman thomas of a home run in that game away on the road on the road in milwaukee i mean willie mcgee was willie like it's funny because he kind of unfortunately got overshadowed a little bit by ozzy smith and vince coleman yeah at, but he was and he also wasn't like this monster home run hitter but he hit 353 he won the batting title i mean that guy is he's unbelievable can i uh can i make a suggestion if you guys do do another hour long mcgee's great and everything but if you guys do another hour long um special do you guys mind if i i make a suggestion as to who please nick punto (laughs) nick punto is pretty sweet yeah I love it. That, the little Italian, just you know, just scrappy, just hustler, dives in head first into first base. Little Nicky Punto. Yeah, love, I believe, I believe he, he was on the. Uh, I think he was on the 2011 Cardinal team that won the World Series. Was he on that team? I think so. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he might be right. Oh my God! Yeah, he's fantastic. Which people want to credit, you know, Pujols and Freeze, you know, uh, Wainwright for oh. that for that victory. But it was built on the back of Punto. Without question, that's what everybody says. Yes, it was the punto of uh, of importance, the point of importance. Now, I uh, I want to take a second to uh, talk about you guys' podcast. Now, it's not normal for someone to go say, hey, check out another podcast while they're on a podcast, but I'm not naive to think that people only listen to one. Uh, and so it, to all my listeners, add these podcasts to your repertoire. Uh, if you're St. Louis, definitely. These guys rep the town and the city very well, but... If you know, if you love comedy and a good laugh and want to have fun listening, subscribe to A View from the Cheap Seats, which uh, the which the scholars do themselves. They they always welcome on like a, either a sports guest or a comedian who's well versed in sports, and uh, that's more sports eccentric. But um, it's it's like the incredible blend of sports, comedy, and it, honestly indie rock because I've gotten. I can't tell you how many bands and uh, just songs that have added been added to playlists just from listening to you guys going to break, uh, you know, with certain songs and stuff. You guys have turned me on to so much music, which I got to thank you for. Oh, you're welcome. That's awesome. Yeah, we did. I mean, for us, we're like, what are three things we love? We love comedy, we love sports, and we love music. And can we bring that together in a podcast? I think what happens sometimes is you have like some diehard sports guys who were like, I just want to do an entertainment podcast. I want to, I don't want to do sports. I don't want that to be my thing. Well, you know, that's not a great idea. Or you have people who are comedy people who just want to do sports. Well, that's also not a great idea. Yeah. Our attitude is 
we want to take a deep dive into sports. We want to talk about the issues that matter to us. Like when Serena Williams went crazy or was dubbed to have gone crazy on the chair umpire at the U.S. Open, and everyone thought, oh, my God, she's going nuts, she's going nuts. And, that, and everyone's take was about her behavior. No one took a step back and said, this is a new mother. This is a woman who has had a baby within the last year. Like, she hasn't slept for a year. Like, yeah. let's, let's say that she probably used a lot of restraint that day. Like, when we had new babies, like, Randy, when Randy had his first daughter, he was, like, at a supermarket at, like, 11 at night, and he turned to someone who, like, whose cart was a little close to him, and he was like, you owe me an apology. <laughs> like, he, he started ranting at, like, yeah. a random person. Like, that's what you do when you're sleep-deprived. That's what happened. Like, she could have sprayed breast milk on the front three rows of, of the U.S. Open, and I would have been like, that's okay. Right. Her new mom. I get it. <laughs> but no one talked about that, and we were able, were able to get a, a take in that, of course, you know, has comedy and, and, and has passion in it about the sports world that we feel like certain outlets won't let you go that far. And I think that's why you would tune in to listen to our show, because we're talking about the biggest story of the week, along with some other crazy weird stories and a great interview and then a funny guest at the end. Like a, we have a lot of really great people who do great characters on our show, call-ins and voicemails and stuff. So it's a comedy show. It digs into sports and sports fandom, and it tackles some of the great issues of the week. Well, I, I got to say that I – so I – it was like I said. It was it was the first um, podcast that I had ever listened to. I, I think I maybe I don't even know how I got turned on to you guys, but I, I want to say you filled in for Rome one day, and I was listening. Was I was yeah. listening to Rome, and and I think you maybe yeah. plugged your podcast, and I was like, I got to get more of these guys because they're hilarious. They give great sports takes, and you know the, it's just so much fun to listen to. And and then I I think I got turned on that way, and. At the time, I was, I was working at a factory, at a industrial refrigerator parts factory, and wow. you guys got me through those like I want to say it was like twelve hour days with like you know fifteen minute breaks every three hours. You, you guys got me through those days just by you know just by giving your takes, and that was I think you guys were like on maybe episode twelve or something. So it was very early on when you guys first started, That's and awesome. I, I've been I've been listening ever since. So that right there should tell you just how much how great I think this podcast is, and I encourage everyone to uh, to check it out. Thanks, man. Seriously, like that means the world to us because we make it. We don't make it just for ourselves. We make it for the people who are listening. And, and to know that people connect with it that deeply, it really does mean the world to us. Oh, well, without question. I, and just the, 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 you know, the inside jokes and everything that has, has transpired, the, the, the guests that you have occasionally. Okay, so they'll have a guest on every episode, but then they'll, they've got uh, a lot of friends that do just the best impersonations. And so they'll a lot of times cap the end of an episode with a guest doing yeah. an impersonation of, you know, you've had uh, uh, Jerry Jones. You've had huh. racist Vin Scully, who's just an absolute Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Javier Bardem, uh, Christoph Waltz, who's a huge Kristaps Porzingis fan. Yes, yeah. we just try and do make it as fun as we can, and also try and make that about whatever something's going on. Like we had Tiger on last week, you know, talking about winning. Yeah. And we'll see, you know, the, after the United States just laid the biggest egg ever <laughs> in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. If we have anybody on from that world uh, this next week, we'll see. Well, and I love I love racist Vince Scully because, as is his name, 
he will go and say things I mean, that are how like, do we not know everything? Right. And that's, <laughs> that's on us. That yeah, is totally it's on in us. the name. It's in the no. name, racist Vince mm-hmm. Coley. It's not like it's you know he's not like uh, welcoming to uh, other races, uh, Vin Scully. It's uh, and he is the nicest guy, and so it is kind of funny to <laughs> yes, create yeah. this alter ego that's not even him and not even anything he would do, but it's just silly. Yeah, and then and then as we talked about earlier, Dumb People Town, uh, which you guys do with uh, Daniel Van Kirk, and you have great guests on there: Patton Oswalt, uh, John Hamm, um, just Haddish, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany was- Haddish, yeah. She was great. Yeah, it's super fun. It's a chance for us to improvise with friends that we love and people that we think maybe you haven't seen John Hamm in this light before. He's amazing. You know, guys like Tom Segura, Paul F. Tompkins, really great comedy people and then actors and people that we really love and gel with. And, and we get to make a really great show that the mics get turned on. We have no idea where it's going to go, but we always feel good coming out of it. Uh, and one last question before uh, before I get into uh, the Project Wake Up event that you guys are doing. Yeah. You guys went to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wolverines by heart and, you know, just true by every sense of the word, you guys are true Wolverines. I got to ask, though, I'm a uh, I'm a Missouri Tiger. I got why why did you guys not go to Mizzou? You're from St. Louis. It it just made sense. I like I mean, so many of our people it was either our high school went to Mizzou or KU. Yeah. And, and then the remaining people went to Indiana. That was pretty much it. A couple people in Illinois. You know, we just were enamored with really the football program and the basketball program at yeah. Michigan. They had just won the national championship and they had, you know, Glenn Rice and all those great Sean Higgins and Ramil Robinson. Like they had all these great teams and we're just we're just fans of them and fans of it and you know it was just far enough away and outside of the zone of people that we knew that we were like we should try this and i mean again we had a lot of friends that went to mizzou and i think we were just looking for a little bit of a different experience that's not to say that we didn't grow up being huge mizzou fans i mean mizzou basketball for us like lee coward and nathan bunton and yeah uh, Doug Smith and uh, I mean I go back to the days of Prince Bridges and Moon McCrary and and Derek Chivas like those teams Band Aid Court Derek Chivas those those teams were amazing Storm and Norman Stewart and I remember going down and watching games down there um, but it, you know we always lost to Kansas we always lost to Oklahoma but we we did have some really good teams and they were really fun to watch and occasionally we'd win the Big Eight remember that oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, a big eight from Raycom Sports. Like Jay Randolph would cover the games. It was just a good time, and we were big Mizzou fans. And I remember Missouri football. We had uh, Phil Bradley, who went on to play for the Seattle Mariners, and James Wilder. Uh, we had some we had some good football players too, but we're never that never really that great. Yeah, well, I I don't want to make you guys regret your decision, but like around the time you guys were hitting college, I mean, you did miss out on some pretty great three win seasons out of Missouri Tigers. I know that was a bummer. I'm sad. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, scholars, you guys are coming home uh, November twenty fourth, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving holiday. Um, you guys are going to be doing Project Wake Up's inaugural comedy night. Um, it's going to be at Chaminade College Preparatory. Uh, the doors open at 6 p.m. The event will include light food, a full bar with purchase of a cup, and a silent auction. 
Tickets range anywhere from $20 to $50, as well as an upgraded meet-and-greet option for the, uh, for the talent and you guys uh, for $50. Worth it. The, worth, every pen, worth every penny. It's gonna. It's it's a project and a, a, a an event and an organization that tries to raise awareness um, of mental health issues. Mental health issues that could lead to things like suicide. It is... Again, I'm going to be home. I, I, as soon as we booked this thing, I said, I'm going to bring my family home for the whole week of Thanksgiving. That's awesome. So I will be there um, with my family that whole week to visit and staying with my mom, our mom. And Jay is actually going to be here in L.A., but he's coming back for this. To, to, Thanksgiving is really a sacred weekend. You know, We yeah. really like to be with our families in that way. But for sure. this event came up, and they asked us to be a part of it, and we feel really strongly that – this is the type of thing that through comedy and a nice night and an evening that will be – it's certainly one that you'll enjoy. Uh, we can really raise awareness with these guys to something that's important. You see it in the world of sports. You know, you think about like even Des Bryant. Yeah. Uh, certainly uh, Royce um, – who's the guy from uh, Iowa State? That guy's such a good dude. You know, he talks about mental health issues and whatnot. He's, he's a really smart guy, former basketball player. Um, and someone we follow. I just remember him from his Twitter handle and whatnot. But he is just the, and Kevin Love talking about depression. Yeah. Royce White. Royce White. Uh, that you know that these are issues that come up and it's, and hit everybody. So to raise awareness of it in a way that you know you can contribute and go see it, have a nice night of comedy. We want to sell this thing out really badly for these guys um, and raise a ton of money. And that's our hope. Well, for any listeners to this podcast that are in St. Louis or even just to drive away, it's the weekend. You're gonna, it's the holidays. So you're gonna have some time off. Come to St. Louis. Come and uh, and check this thing out. Obviously, it should tell you guys how how important this is uh, to um, to Randy and Jason. Just based off of it's the holidays, they're you know they're abandoning family to come and see it or, or to come and perform at this event. Uh, so check it out and just yeah, like you guys said like mental health it's you know like I'm so glad that it's kind of being brought to light and that people are understanding the importance of um, of mental health issues and, and how it's something that we can talk about and so we can help prevent some you know some things that maybe would have gone negative or that would have been kept inside you know for so long for so many people that we can yep. finally get it out and talk about it and you guys are doing it in a way that you know at least at least uh helping um promote that th this this charity in a way where you're going to be bringing laughter to people's lives and you're going to be able to do it through comedy which i think is just fantastic it's going to be thank you and i agree and i think that that is a way to let people know about what it is while at the same time giving them something that's a special memory. I mean, I think back to us being home for Thanksgiving. It's kind of like Thursday is the big day, and then you kind of hang out on Friday and maybe get together with your old buddies and play like a football game in the fall out on some field. And then you watch football all weekend long. And then Saturday night rolls around, and you're like, what are we going to do? Yeah. We're home. <laughs> right. So come see this. It's at the, uh, the new theater at Chaminade. It's uh, go to um, – Project Wake Up, uh, I, I, we're going to check the website. I, Randy's going to try and make sure he has the correct address so you can get tickets for it. Um, tickets are available, and we want to sell it out. We just want – what we want to do is fill that theater and let people know that St. Louis is a city that is waking up. Like this notion of being woke and, like, understanding, like, what's happening, like, let's, let's have that – Let's have that sort of be the perception of what St. Louis is all about. And, and this is one way to show it, by filling that room.
Will there be a link available on your website, superscholars.com? it out right now he's uh he's trying to get us the exact okay if if not just just google sklar brothers uh you know uh and project wake up and you'll find a link it's it's super easy to uh to find and trust me it tickets for 20 to 50 dollars like that's a great price for a and there's there's great other comments on the show it's projectwakeup.org if you just go there you'll find out all about the organization and then you'll also find out about that event yeah our buddy tim convy tim convy is a local uh st louis uh, radio personality he's also a comedian uh who wrote on nikki glazer's show and he's just really talented he's going to be on the show and other he's hosting at other great st louis comics and then we're going to do our thing and uh, we'll do like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on Emo's Pizza. Nice. Uh, yes. Pull that out. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nathan Orton, Angela Smith, and Steve Pace also on the bill uh, with the Randy and Jason. Um, now, guys, my listenership for this podcast isn't necessarily exclusive to St. Louis. In fact, I've got I've got a majority of my listenership outside of the Missouri area. So what upcoming cities are you guys playing? Uh, where can come p- people come check you out? Going to when is this going up? Is this up today or tomorrow? This will be up. Uh, this will probably be up tomorrow. Okay. So on Wednesday night, we're doing one night only in Boulder, Colorado. Mm. Um, really excited. They have the, at the Dairy Arts Center. Uh, the, it'll become the Dairy Sklarts Center for one <laughs> night. Uh, one show, one night only there. And then the next three nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we perform at the very club where we recorded Henders Sons and Daughters, one of the best clubs in the country, Comedy Works in Denver, in downtown Denver. It is just the best comedy experience. Like, it's just unbelievable. So we're going to be there that weekend. And then end of um, end of October, we're going to do the All Things Comedy Festival, com- and that's we're going to do a live Dumb People Town on October 25th, uh, and then on in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And then at the Tempe Improv, the next night we're doing stand-up on the 26th. And then a few weeks later, we're going to be in Austin, Texas, doing shows, um, from the 7th, I think, through the 11th, through the 10th, through the 10th uh, at Cap City Comedy Club. Um, it is just one of the best comedy clubs. Also, again, Austin's a tremendous town, as you know, uh, your namesake. And yeah. uh, it's it's really fantastic. We, we love going down there and doing shows there. We go twice a year because we're part of a comedy festival there in April every year. That's how much we love the place. So that's what we got through the end of this year. Um, but... We're going to be in San Diego at the beginning of next year. We're going to be in Portland, and we're going back to Salt Lake City. We have a lot of spots we love to hit. Just go to supersclars.com, and you'll see where we are. Supersclars.com. Check these guys out. Seriously, go see them live. I, I, it's 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 one of the most unique stand-up uh, experiences you guys will have. Now, do you guys have a, uh, a favorite uh, venue that you guys play, a favorite club around the country? I mean, uh, usually what's – because it's so hard for us to go away, we like to play. we go where we like to play. I mean, there are a bunch of places that are just fantastic. This Austin club, Cap City, is unbelievable. This Denver club, Comedy Works, is just it's incredible. It's just built perfectly, and the room's incredible. Ann Arbor was great. This uh, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, Madison Comedy Club on stage is unbelievable. Minneapolis has a great room. The Acme Comedy Club, Bloomington, Indiana has a really great room. Um, we did we did a project that your listeners might also like for uh, Audible.com called Sklars and Stripes, where we it's an audio book. If you have Audible, you can get it as your selection for the month, or you can sign up for like a free month trial and then cancel. It'll be the best zero dollars you'll ever spend. Um, and you, you guys did that with uh, Scott Rogalski, correct? Host of uh, HQ Trivia. Yeah, yeah. He was a producer and we went around the country and we 
went to 10 different cities and did comedy and tried Plainlands Thursday, can we write 10 minutes of comedy by Saturday night about that city by experiencing the city? And I'm telling you, man, cities, I, didn't, I never knew Tulsa, Oklahoma would be so fantastic. We <laughs> loved it. We loved it. Crowds were awesome. Shows were great. Tons of things to make fun of. It was great. Houston, unbelievable. Uh, Denver was great. Portland was incredible. Madison was great. Bloomington. We did a lot of great cities. And so, you know, there are just great venues all over. I mean, there's a, there's a theater that we did our live podcast in Brooklyn called the Bell House. It's like a, you know, theater club. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Like one of the best shows we've ever done. So every city kind of has a great spot and we try if we can to hit it. Yeah. Like the, uh, like the 12 South Tap Room in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Uh, yes. And like uh, we did the pageant in St. Louis, which was great. And I'm sure that the, uh, the theater at Chaminade is going to be awesome. Like a great venue for comedy because everyone's in their seats, facing forward, ready to laugh. It's going to be killer. Yeah, check it out. If I am in town, I guarantee you I will be there. So come join me, uh, Project Wake Up, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Let's be honest. By the by, that point in the weekend, you're going to be tired of your family. So you need oh, yeah. an excuse to get out of the house. Get come away. see some great comedy. Guys, uh, you guys are terrific. You guys are fantastic. I, like I said, you're two of my favorite entertainers in in on the planet. And I, so I appreciate you taking the time. Real quick, before I let you guys go, on the way out the door, can you give me one of the biggest Hendersons you've ever given? Let's give a big Henderson for him. One, two, three. Henderson! <laughs> that, is, that is Randy and Jason Sklar. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Sklar Brothers. Uh, for tour dates, links, everything, go to supersklars.com. Uh, guys, do me a favor and uh, go punch some waterfalls, all right? We will. We have punch waterfall hats, by the way. Oh. They're, they just came out. You're going to want one. Yes. <laughs> You'll yes. want one, brother. On the website? Uh, yeah, it's not, uh, it'll be at fluffycrate.com okay. slash Sklar. You look for it, and it'll be there. Uh, but thanks, dude, and, and congrats on your podcast, and, and I hope your listenership grows and grows and grows. You are a great broadcaster yourself, and I'm glad you got out of the factory and into the uh, radio studio. Well, if there's any way to uh, snip up that, that little piece of audio right there, I'm going to hang it on my wall and, uh, and, and do that. If it, I don't even know if that's even possible, but, but thank you, guys. Thank you for just your time. I know you guys, you guys are two of the busiest people in Hollywood, I should mention, too. So thank you so much for taking the time. It really means a lot. And, and to my audience, go check these guys out, please. Thanks, brother. And there we go. Episode 10 in the books. Uh, my thanks to the Sklars. Uh, aren't they awesome? I mean, I urge you to check out their latest stand-up special, Hipster Ghost. It's on Stars. Uh, if you have the Stars channel, uh, it's, you can also stream it on the Stars app. It's hilarious, as is all of their albums, which uh, I'm pretty sure you can you can check most of them out on uh, Spotify if you've got some downtime. But again, my thanks to them. My thanks to you guys. Without you guys, I wouldn't have made it te- 10 episodes deep. I wouldn't even made it like one episode deep. I mean, that because honestly, that's just me talking to myself, which I already do more than I should uh, to be clinically sane. But, you know, so so thank you guys for giving me uh, someone to talk to. And uh, for everyone that's rated and reviewed, again, thank you. I I know it may get a little redundant, me thanking you guys every episode, but I just wanted to be known that I am very appreciative. So until next week, enjoy October. Enjoy uh, playoff baseball, football, college football. 
Uh, just enjoy everything. Uh, if you go to like a pumpkin patch, I'm sure like if you've got kids or a family, you're probably going to go to a pumpkin patch. Enjoy that. Wear a nice sweater. Make sure you don't spill anything on it before you take the photos. Um, and then once you take the photos, you can spill all the hot cocoa or pumpkin spice lattes you want all over down the front of it. Um, if you're going like a hayride or maybe like a corn maze, uh, same thing applies. Just uh, make sure you get all your Instagram photos out of the way first before you get dirty or anything. And if you're going to a haunted house, uh, good luck. It's, those things are terrifying, but awesome. So, And if anyone wants to watch Scream, let me know. We'll, uh, we can watch it together because I can't wait. Hello, Sydney. So it's awesome. Most self-aware movie of all time. Wes Craven's the man. All right, that, what am I? I'm still rambling. I'm done. That's the end of episode 10. Thank you guys. And uh, I guess until next week, Seacrest out. This is the end of the show. If you made it this far, you're probably Austin's mom. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you.